0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to Modern Wisdom. My guest today is Tucker Max, New York Times bestselling author several times over, the man behind Scribe Media and creator of the fratire literary genre. But for a while, he was also a professional arsehole. I don't think he'll mind me saying that. And I wanted to ask him about how you transition from being a party guy, sleeping with loads of girls, getting drunk all the time, embarrassing stories... How you grow out of that, it's an archetype that everybody knows, right? Everyone knows a bro who's still drinking and partying a little bit too late into their years. How do you go from being that to being a dad, to being a business leader, to being a figurehead within the industry of writing, all that sort of stuff? And we go real deep today. So we talk about psychedelics, we talk about introspective work, asking yourself hard questions, learning what your truth is. It's absolutely jam-packed. Tucker is a wise old soul trapped in a younger man's body, I think. There's some absolute gold in this episode, so make sure that you give it a share with someone who this could really help. Or if you're new here, press the subscribe button. You will get two episodes with the world's most fascinating humans delivered into your ears every Monday and Thursday. But for now, please welcome Tucker Max.
1: Hold on. Oh, there you go. Okay, the button just came up. I'm like, if the
0: button didn't come up, then it's not <laughs> recording. But now it's up. It's I get it. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm joined by Tucker Max. Tucker, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for
0: having me. Pleasure to have you on, man. Um, I was saying earlier, I posted out that I was going to have you on the show, and my, my DMs have just been on fire all day. Uh, originally, we were just going to talk about Scribe Media, and we're going to go into the nuances of book writing and stuff like that. We're going to get into that. But um, I think there's, there's some other bits that I'd love to get into first. So to kind of set the scene for people who might not fully know your backstory, how do you get to where you are now? Head of Scribe Media, best-selling author, but sort of how do you get there? Right.
1: So I mean, th- it's a long backstory. So I'll hit the highlights, and then you can kind of dive into wherever you want. Cool. Uh, let me uh, – so um, let's see. I went to undergrad at University of Chicago, uh, law school at Duke. Um, And then, uh, got fired from being a lawyer in three weeks. My dad fired me from the family business in six months, (laughs) then didn't really know what to do. Uh, found my way into, right. I was writing emails to my friends that they thought were hilarious. And through a long long series of sort of stuff, I ended up uh, putting my stuff up on a website, my stories, they blew up, got a ton of attention, um, you know, MTV girl sued me. It was all the sort of normal, uh, controversy. And then, um, so I ended up writing a book it became, I hope they serve beer in hell, which, uh, the New York times said invented a liter- literary genre called fratire and has sold, you know, a million and a half copies now or more, uh, worldwide translated into whatever it is, 30 or 40 languages, something. Um, and then, uh, wrote two more books. Um, well, first there was a movie made about that, uh, book about my life uh and then the two more books assholes finish first and hilarity ensues sorry in sloppy seconds three more books those have all told have sold i don't know three and a half four million ish and um uh then did a few other things um the big thing was start scribe like i said a bunch of people asking me how do i write and publish a book and so uh I started a company that helps people do that, and it's five years later. And you know, we did David Goggins' book, which is huge, and Tiffany Haddish, and a bunch of others. And so uh, here we are.
0: Man, what a story! I love how you said all of the normal sort of controversy that like all of us are getting, all of us are getting sued by ex girlfriends and stuff on a on a consistent basis. That's funny. Um. Yeah, so one of the things that I really wanted to delve into with you, because I think that you've got quite a unique insight on this because you've been so transparent in that journey, from going and being you know, a classic party boy, right? Um, the UK's got a big drinking culture, a big party culture. Right. My job, I fill nightclubs. I've run nightclubs right. for 13 years. That's what I do, bread and butter, right? So I've seen like a million drunk people-ish, just over a million drunk people. Um, yeah. So I know, I know what it looks like, and so does everyone that's listening. Um, yeah. What I'm really interested in finding out is... What happens when we go from, as men, young men, we go from being that guy who is living quite viscerally, party lifestyle, there's a point where it's for some people gradual, for some people sudden, but there's a point where you stop being that and you start to be a simulacrum of the guy that your dad is or was or, you know, a, a dad-to-be, you get me? Like, there's mm-hmm. not many dads that I know. Even, you know, I've got some friends that are, that are pretty loose, I don't know many of the dads that are out on the lash in the same way that a twenty-two-year-old's out on the lash. Yeah, and well, I, I, I really they, want to get into If they are, that. they're real shitty fathers. That's for sure. They're bad dads. Yeah, you're right. right. So, what what was that process like for you? Because obviously, you were so transparent, such a big part here, all of these sort of very well publicised experiences, and now you're a dad to two wonderful kids, three. 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 Yeah
1: man congratulations how are you not up to the minute on my life no i'm kidding it's so funny dude you're definitely english because there is no american podcaster that would ever use the word simulacrum. like i know what that means <laughs> but there is no american like thank god i have like advanced degrees because most americans like, what the fuck is he talking about what is a simul? sorry um, all right so, so uh um yeah you know what's funny too man when my books came out like they blew up in America and all this controversy or whatever and all the English people were like what are the Americans up in arms about? Everyone does this. This dude just got drunk and threw up and acted like an idiot. Like no the British were like someone thought it was funny Some didn't, but they were like why are you guys America's a whole different culture with that stuff man. Like my books in England would like they, they did okay but they, they no one cared right mm-hmm. um, because there was no element of uh, naughtiness and seediness there you know um but uh anyway so how did i become a dad so it's funny at least in america i'm not sure in england in america the the stereotype is the bad boy gets converted by his love for the right woman right that's always how it works and um uh, but that's never how it that's always stereotype it's never how it actually works in America, if you're like a, you know, like the bad boy, is a younger guy, you kind of, there's two paths, there's two archetypes you can take. You can keep going, right? And like play that up. Like I could have played, man, listen, I could have, I'm 44 now. I could be the 44 year old guy traveling the world, still banging young girls and whatever. Like I know those guys, they usually go on and own bars or, or promote nightclubs. A lot of them, mm. or they, you know, they get into that lifestyle. Um, or things that are similar, entertainment business, whatever, um, or uh, you um, you basically, like, reform, right? That, those are kind of the archetypes. But neither of those are what happened. Like, I didn't want to be the old creepy dude. Uh, uh, like, that was unappealing to me. But I wasn't going to reform, like, in terms of, like, oh, what I did was bad, now I have to be good. That was bullshit to me. But what I did do, which is, like, not – it's an archetype, but it's not the way it plays out in America Um, uh, is I did my work. Right. So the question is always not why do young people go out and drink and have fun, but why do some young people, especially, and I was definitely one of them go to ridiculous extremes with it. Right. At least what I did in America was extreme. Might not be for England, but for America it was. And so it's always a question of like, why? Right. And then I had to really, I made all this money. I did all this stuff. I basically got to the point where like everything in my life was perfect. Uh, uh, you know, as good as it could be. I was in amazing shape. I had money. I was rich. I was famous. I had girls. And I st- i was way, way better off than when I was poor and anonymous, right? And broke and starving and whatever. But like I still wasn't that happy, right? I wasn't that content. And so then I had to ask myself, at some point you realize, well, the problem's me, right?
0: What sort, what sort of age when, was this? You Can build? you remember? Huh? What sort of age was this?
1: Thirty-four, thirty-five 35, it was right after the movie, right? And so, so you have to make that decision. Do you realize the problem is you or not, right? And then most people don't, man. Most people think, no, everything, the problem's always outside of me. So they spend the rest of their lives chasing money or success or women or drugs or whatever it is they use to run from their emotions. And I don't mean that judgmentally. It's just because God knows I was doing it for a long time um but like or they say they turn inwards and say um all right i'm going to fix my shit right and uh i started that about 30 it's called it 35 really in earnest and um man that's been a hard road dude like because it is it's funny it's like uh, i forget the buddha there's a quote from buddha it's like um you know it, it's something about like it's not hard to conquer an army, it's hard to conquer yourself. Right. And I thought when I was like 28, I'm like, the Buddha didn't know what he's talking about. That was some dude with a bowl and a rope. Shut up, man. Now I'm like, God, that dude was wise. There's a reason people would <laughs> listen to him for 5,000 years. right? Um, Cause de- turning inwards and dealing with your own shit was really hard. And so for me, it started just a high level. I started with um, th- talk therapy, like psychoanalysis. And that worked for like four years uh, for me really well. Ah, uh, gave me a good map of my mind and my emotions, but I didn't really feel a lot in it. Like it didn't, um, it kind of, I understood what was going on. It's sort of like having a map of London and walking around the streets of London. Totally different things, right? And so that's what, uh, it gave me a map. And then um, I, I started working with a shaman for a while, like an energy healer. Not because I thought it would be a good idea. This woman just like, like I thought that was nonsense. And this woman did some shit with me once. And like, my wife was like, why are you so a today i'm like what do you mean she's like no no no. you're way better and i hadn't told her at all and so i was like crap i'm not gonna work with this fuck guy. yeah this no, proof I'm proofs right. in the pudding exactly here, yeah. right exactly i was it was actually very frustrating for me um <laughs> and so i worked with her for about a year and that was fine it worked well then it stopped working and then um i did a few other things here and there nothing really worked that well i mean i, I tried everything else yoga whatever all these other things people try didn't work for me And then the last 18 months, man, I've made more progress than I probably made the other nine years combined. And that's uh, with plant medicines. So like therapeutic MD, you know, uh, uh, psychotherapy, MDMA assisted psychotherapy, you know, and uh, psilocybin assisted and that kind of stuff has just, man, it's like, it's like a startup where you see like slow growth and all of a sudden they hit the rocket ship. I've hit the rocket ship, I think. I still haven't really gotten into the serious stuff. It's just gone way better. The last 18 months for me have been amazing, dude, the growth and all. And so how did I get to be where a dad? Well, the, the, to answer that question, first, I had to de- I had to decide I wanted – I knew I wanted a family. And then I was, like, trying to date girls, and they're like, eh, they all sucked. And then my analyst was like – this is when I was still seeing an analyst. She's like, well, are you – who's the type of woman you want to meet and, and marry? And so I, like, listed this woman. And she's like, like, it was like this amazing avatar of a woman. And she's like, okay, would that girl want to date you? And I'm like, of course she would. I'm rich and famous. I'm awesome. Right. And she's like, hold on, Tucker. You may be rich and famous, but you're also sleeping with like two girls a week and blah, blah, blah. Why is that girl going to date you? Why is she going to be one of many? Why? And I was like, so I had to go through that whole process. I had to get ready to meet my wife. Um, That was, that was the big thing. And, and and so like that dude it wasn't most people just fall
0: into this man
1: and for me it was a conscious evolution with a lot of fits and starts and mistakes along the way does that answer
0: your question i kind Abs- of rambled a little bit absolutely man i got a million doorways open so i think uh, we got lots to delve into um firstly yeah i i totally i totally get what you mean um i'm currently rereading mark manson's models and right. he talks he talks a lot about that right about that compatibility like where are you finding the women that you that you want to date where are you going like if you want someone that's intellectual like going out to the club five nights a week might not be doesn't
1: make sense right
0: yeah for sure and you're actually flipping that on its head you're like am i the sort of person that the sort of girl i want to date would want to date um certainly one Which of the most things most guys
1: never even think that, ask that question
0: but just they just presume you never I, even think of it i think that most men because of the way that Dating and romance is popularized. I think that most men presume that their job is to kind of be there. It's like if I'm here and I'm not fat and my my shirt's not got no stuff on it, and like the girl turns up, like kind of you know, there's, there's no yeah. real. I don't know. It, it just I don't think that there's a there's a narrative that men have to follow that's that's too good for that. But I mentioned before we started, I've kind of been immersed in uh max over the last weekend i've been traveling a lot consuming a lot of the stuff that you've put out recently one of the things that struck me is that you're very very prepared to do introspective work and uncover quite ugly truths about yourself which is something that over the last four years i've taken an almost cathartic pleasure in doing for myself i've really Mm -hmm. strangely enjoyed it that challenge um and
1: yeah i don't enjoy it it's fucking terrible if you enjoy it good for you (laughs) like i i enjoy the results of it i enjoy it being done the Mm. process is never like oh let's tear the fucking (laughs) visor off and look at the hard fierce truth that's awful and no one wants no i'm not like let's do that
0: oh yeah yeah you're right but
1: i'm not excited about it ever
0: yeah the the process is uncomfortable i think my curiosity and my desire to kind of find out why about me I think is 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 pretty strong um so talk to us about about sort of being able to see transparencies right because you were this guy you had one kind of persona even if that was you living your truth and I think that you were I don't think it was
1: at the time no doubt 100% yeah.
0: yeah so as that truth starts to change there'll be parts of you that'll want to cling on to the old you and you know girls that are listening guys who maybe can't quite Um, resonate with the young party guy will still know this right you have these epochs of your life you have these little Mm -hmm. sections that you're going through and you gotta how do you stop letting go of the last one you're the guy you're the party guy now you're the party the guy that used to be the party guy now you're the writer now you're the you know what i mean like how do you
1: start so so it's hard man uh (laughs) so the metaphor the question it's funny man like i get this all the time um uh i'm 44 with three kids and a very mature business. Like we, you know, we did eight figures in revenue last year. I'm not even a CEO. Like I hired a baller to run my company. Right. And so you know, I live in a huge house, a fucking pool and a wine cellar an insured wine cellar, like all this sort of shit. And I still get the dudes who uh, like message me on Instagram or whatever. It's like, what the fuck man? Like, when are we going to get more stories? And I'm like, My response is always some version of the same. You played with toys. You played with dolls when you were 10. Do you still play with them now that you're 25? And they're always like, ooh. (laughs) Like, it doesn't even occur to them that if they think about it, obviously, but it doesn't even occur to them that, like, life has phases and life has seasons and that certain things make a lot of sense in a certain season make no sense in any other season, right? And especially with someone who's like celebrity or noteworthy, right? Because what happens? People don't realize. Like, you have like a okay. At, you see this with athletes all the time. People have a very an emotionally intense relationship with an athlete in one stage of their life. Like they're, let's say, I don't know, whatever, twenty six to like thirty three. They're like huge, you know, Lionel Messi or Michael Jordan or LeBron James, like these. Are, and so, like, it doesn't matter how like, – like, for me, that was Michael Jordan when I was a young kid, right? Michael Jordan was the guy. And now Michael's, like, you know, his 60s or whatever. He's, like, old and disgusting and fat, and he's, an, he's been an asshole his whole life, but now you really know. And But still, like, people, like, if he was a god to you when you were 15, then, like, he's always a guy, And you, like, approach him that way, right? And you look at him, like and, – and, and and it's very frustrating because you can't – People don't look at you like a person. You're like an object. Right. And, and so that's why a lot of those people get stuck is because they, first off that they were at their peak, then they're never going to get bigger. Right. In terms of whatever success at basketball, let's just say with Jordan, he's Mm -hmm. never going to be bigger at basketball than he was in the late nineties. It's just not possible. Right. And, um, and then he has people around him who always look at him that way. And so he's stuck there. Right. And that almost happened to me. Of course, I was nowhere near as big as Jordan. Uh, but, like, and I, you, could, you could make that happen. We, and I'm not talking about just celebrities in anything. You could just be, you know, a good, I don't know, big in your little social circle, whatever. And the sa- it's the same dynamic. You, you know how I always phrase it? You can tell a man's peak year in his life because his wardrobe freezes there. Like my grandfather, I could tell what his peak year was. After he died, We cleared out his closet because he didn't buy anything else from anything past that period. He just froze his wardrobe right there and he didn't change.
0: You think and that's like, sim- symbolic? He's trying to sort of hold right, on to that.
1: Holding on to that. They hold on to the car, the clothes, whatever, most, right? And that was just something that like I, I was never like, I tried for a little while to hold on, but I'm like, what am I doing, man? Like, this isn't life. This doesn't make sense. And it's not about aging gracefully. It's about growing and evolving and becoming the best version of who you are now. And that's why, like, I don't understand these people who are like, man, dude, I love being older, man. Like, everything is better except, like, physical stuff, basically. Like, I have more money. I have more wisdom. I have better friends. I'm, I'm more emotionally. Together in every single, everything's better in my life, except like, you know, I can't deadlift as much anymore. Oh, yeah, right? My knees ache and a I'm bit more. I'm like and... a shitty athlete now. My knees hurt a little and like yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, I used to be able to have sex, whatever, five nights or five uh, times a night. Now, like, man, three is like <laughs> not easy for me, right? And like, uh, so yeah, things change. But like, if you, and that's why, especially men, that's what a midlife crisis I think is for dudes is they realize that they they they've made a bunch of bad choices or choices they don't like mm. and they're stuck and they don't know how to get out. But they won't do what you talked about doing before. They won't look at they won't ask themselves the hard questions. They won't look at the things that they haven't done, the responsibility they haven't taken in their life. They won't make any hard decisions and so they're stuck. Right? And like that's just uh, yeah dude it sucks man when you get there but the only way to avoid that is to constantly w- not reinvent you don't even have to reinvent man you have to constantly look at yourself and and do your work and your by work i mean emotional work mm-hmm. am i being the best person i can am i being honest with myself am i taking responsibility for myself am i doing these things and if you're constantly honestly asking yourself these questions you can't help but grow you're going to grow. That's just how it works. And then you change. And then, you know, you become whatever. Hopefully a better and better better version of yourself. Not always the same, though. It's not Mm -hmm. like... There's things... I'm never going to be as, quote, cool as I was when I was 29, right? Mm -hmm. In certain
0: ways. But, like, I'm way better in almost every other way. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what's interesting about that is people will find, both men and women, they will find some form of success in quotation marks some form of effectiveness within one particular domain and then they just continue to double down double down double down double down down, down. and i don't know who the quote's from you might be able to tell me who this is but um the goal is not to win the game the goal is to keep on playing
1: yeah, I think that's from a book called Finite and Infinite Games. I forget the author. Um, Simon Sinek, just Simon his Sinek. take
0: on that. Yes. No, no, no. It's oh, not no. Simon
1: Sinek. No, 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 Simon Sinek. Simon's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Simon's book about infinite games, he got, there's a book called Infinite and Infinite Games, which is like where he got that, a lot of that idea. Great. Um, But it's not Sinek. Uh, uh, he gets credit for too much other shit. Don't give him someone That's the
0: problem, problem, isn't it? It's like when right. people are clever like that, James Aldrich is the same. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it, people have a little bit of success, continue to double down on that, um, I would s- stick to this particular thing. But it's not about that. It's about moving on to what is next. And you're right as well. You've touched on the fact that your social circle reinforces that, right? Even your, your fan base. They're not your social circle, but they're like, you're the this guy. You're the party guy. You're the drunk guy. You're the girls yes. sleeping with girls guy. You're the mm-hmm. self-development guy. You're the writer guy. And as you perhaps want to evolve, Especially if you have a, a, a being they don't want you to. No,
1: because, because their relationship with you is based on it's objectification. You are something you nailed it. You are something to them. You are not a person to them at all. Like dude, true. I can talk about this and fame forever. You are it's not a, a person to them at all. I mean like it's not that like it's it it all boils down to to me, twelve Michael Jordan's not a person. He's an I I I idealized basketball god. Mm-hmm. He's not a human. He's not a man, right? Mm-hmm. Because a man is flawed and complex and vulnerable and all the, you know, and all these things, right? Michael Jordan's, none of those things to me. He is a god. This is the purpose of myth and gods for humans. Mm-hmm. And because we don't believe uh, uh, in God anymore, that's just been replaced by celebrities. Right. And so that's why they get these idealized shit. People didn't to treat celebrities like this. Treating them well in high status is a different thing than this idealized worship.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. i tell you what, I, you, I know that you touch on CrossFit as well, right? You've done a little bit of CrossFit any time, so you'll understand this. Mm-hmm. Because CrossFit's such a fast-changing sport, you can tell who, um, how long they've, someone's been doing CrossFit by who their favourite athlete is. It's like, oh, you're a Rich Froning guy. Oh, yeah. you're a Jason Kalipa. Oh, you're a Matt Fraser guy. Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, and it's yeah, such a fast-moving sport. It's kind of the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, man, I've got a million doors, doorways open, but one of the things I really want to get, get into is um, you're quite a cerebral person from what I can tell, you like to be able to rationalize, you can rationalize, you're sufficiently clever to be able to do that. A lot of the time when we think that we're doing the work, you've spoken about this, right? Do the work, uncover your hidden biases. What are the motives that are guiding your life? What are the things that you need to work on? What are the things that you need to do? But if you are sufficiently cerebral or you can tell yourself good enough stories, a lot of the time you can come up with something which is a proxy for the truth. This is this isn't actually doing the work, but it's close enough for me to feel like I'm satisfied in doing the work. It's like McDonald's versus food, right? It's like it fills yeah. you up, but it's kind of not nutritious. Yeah. How, how do we
1: yeah. talk talk about that? Well, dude, I mean that's <clears throat> that's the trap, right? I I forget the quote. Uh, it was somebody like it was somebody like the Buddha or someone one of his many many disciples who said that um, the cleverest trick of the ego is to to bend spirituality to its uh, uh, wishes, right? And so, like, you see this in people who – I'll give you a really good example. So for years, there was a specific person I'm thinking about, but a couple people, but really one who's famous. I'm not going to say his name because he's still a friend of mine. I, and I've said this to his face, so but I just don't want to, like, you know, uh, uh, put my private conversations within in public. But, like, he would not shut the fuck up about ayahuasca. Like, just every conversation <laughs> I had with this dude, ayahuasca this and ayahuasca that and ayahuasca, you got to do ayahuasca. Gotta, and, like, I don't mind someone like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I, I don't think it's wise to talk about psychedelics that way. You shouldn't recommend them to people talk about your experience and let them come to it on their own. Mm. But, like, we knew each other well enough where it's, it was fine. But, like, his life was fucked up, man. <laughs> I kept, like, telling him, dude, your life is a mess. And if you're telling me to do this, it makes me not want to do it. And so like, I didn't do it for a long time because like, like I associated it with him and his mess. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so like it, the, to bring it back to your question, um, it's called in what I realized, like once I got deeper into that realm and I got to the real practice, like he was new to it. I got to the real practitioners who've been doing it 10 or 20 years and who were serious. Plant medicine. And like, mean? yeah, yeah, plant medicines and like ayahuasca shamans and other shamans. They have a name for what he, what he was doing. They call it spiritual bypass. Right. And uh. basically it's the people who use these uh, medicines to get the experience uh, very speed to feel spiritual and to feel like they had something happen, but not do any of the actual underlying that what you were talking about before the really hard emotional work, facing your shadow, right? Realizing things you've done, taking accountability for your actions, all owning your shit. Right. And so like, that's when I was like, Oh, once that got explained to me, I'm like, okay, my problem is not with him. It's with how he's acting. And I, I could actually do this, right. It's not, I get it. So, um, dude, that's one of the hardest things, man. I can't tell you how this, and the worst part is the smarter you are, the, like your defenses are as smart as you, right? <laughs> and so,
0: like, yeah. oh, dude, it, it's, it's a never ending the- war between you and your smarter brain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, your ego is designed to keep you alive, right? To keep you safe. And the main tool it has to keep you alive is stasis, it wants to keep you the same because if you're alive now, right? Doing what you're doing, changing is a risk of death. And, I, you know, and so like, it doesn't want you to change, not because it's against you. It's just like, imagine like, you know, like the, the super conservative, hyper risk averse mom. That's your ego, right? And so like, what you have to do, what I've had to do is um, learn to get in a diet. I have to see it first. Understand? Oh shit! My brain is tricking me. My ego, the part, the, my part, ego part of my brain is tricking me to stop me from growing and changing. Right? And and, and then I get get in a dialogue, and it's like, okay, hold <laughs> on. Like you you have to realize there's different parts of your brain that have different agendas, and it's actually great. Like they all work in balance. The movie um Inside Out from Pixar is an amazing example of this. Like, have you seen that movie? No. I it, it's like you think Pixar is a kid's movie. It's an amazing movie because it shows you how like sadness, happy, uh, joy, anger, like these are all, uh, uh, discussed your core emotions all have very important purposes and work together. Right. And then when they get on a balance, side, they get messed up. But like, it's, it, 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 it It's really, 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 really hard to do that, man, to really understand there is a part of me trying to keep me the same. And it's a good, valuable part. I just need to not listen to it all the time. Because Mm -hmm. if I want to grow, I've got to change, right? And then I've got to take that risk. Um, Dude, that took me, I don't know how long it took me. I I did a a session that was with, obviously, a very experienced guy um, with a specific type of medicine that uh, kind of created an ego death like where your ego really does die in you and dude it was crazy man as i was going into this this is like a serious serious one uh psychedelic and um i i heard myself i thought i was thinking they tricked you this is your new reality you're gonna get stuck here you're gonna die right i thought i was thinking that exactly what you want
0: just as you're entering a trip
1: right <laughs> and a big one
0: too <laughs>
1: um and so like of course i'm like freaked out whatever but at that point i'm pretty experienced i was people i knew what, and, and trusted and very safe environment so like i was able to kind of surrender and let go it wasn't until a, a few days later i was like hold on a minute that was my fucking ego dying that was like oh my god and that's when i realized like the the, the trick the ego plays on you is that it convinces it convinces you that it is you <laughs> that you and your ego are the same thing and they are not. It's a part of you. It's an important part of you. It can just be destructive. You listen too much. That's what the Buddhists mean when they say you are the observer, not the speaker, right? Is they're saying the real, the true self is the self that sees and observes and experiences and the ego and all these other parts of you, um, are different parts of your brain that like are part of you, but not you. hmm. <laughs> And I, dude, I'm still trying to figure this out now. Like, it's like I'm not like some, you know, Zen monk that's been doing this for 40 years, right? Like, I'm 18 months in, but it all made sense. And as soon as I, as soon as I understood that, then then I started like really kind of essentially talking to myself in a different, like a crazy person sort of, but Mm. in a different way, and realizing, oh, okay, I'm afraid of that, or I'm 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 telling myself I don't want to do that. It's like, hold on, why am I doing that? Because uh you know like uh what's a good example my mom right i don't have a good relationship with my mom i just kind of like that all came to a head like and so long long story short i hadn't talked to her in 12 years and so i realized i needed to reach out to her and i I didn't want to and so i had this whole sort of like battle with myself right and i realized the ego is like no don't reach out to her no if she was wrong, all these things, these are good arguments, but I was like, uh, hold on. You're trying to keep me the same. I get it. Thank you for protecting me. I'm going to reach out. And then like we didn't meet up, but because of the dynamics around it, I was able to just let that go. I had all this shit, resentment and anger and what. I, I was able to let all that go because I didn't listen to my ego there.
0: Does, mm. it, does it make sense? Is Absolutely, what man. Absolutely. What it sounds like recently, you, you made a graph. For the people that were listening, you, you talked about a graph. You can imagine one that's going up exponentially. It's getting more and more as time goes on, and the increases are getting greater as well. When you talked about your progress, and you were highlighting the fact that the plant medicines really kind of supercharged that over the last yeah. 18 months. Um, yeah. One thing that I'm fascinated by is this period we're talking about, um, for men, and I can't speak for women, but it might happen for, for girls as well, um, but for men, you know, maybe between mid to late 20s to hopefully mid 30s, where something happens, they start to realize, look, I need to kind of let go of that last, that past version of myself. Right. Do you think that you can make, you can have these insights and you can have that conversation with the ego without doing some of the work first? You know, for instance, can I just dive into plant medicine? Is it just going to enlighten me? or? No. Could you, have, could you be where you are now without having done nine years of psychotherapy and meditation, hard, yoga, blah, dude, blah?
1: It's hard to say, man. It really is. It depends on the person, dude. So you're not certain, like, I know, though. You could you know, have done. I, All right, so I know a girl who is totally in touch with her emotions and, like, doesn't take any of this stuff, and she's fine. And people like Michael Singer, uh, you know, who wrote The Untethered Soul, like, you know, a huge book, that dude just sat in a fucking swamp and meditated two hours a day, right, and got there. And so, no, no, you do not need plant medicines to get there. I do not think you do. But are they really helpful for a lot of people? Yes. Were they, at this point for me and all the trauma that I've been through, were they basically a necessity for me? Yeah, I think. Um, Maybe a necessity, maybe not. I don't know. They worked though. Mm. Um, and, And they were amazing for me. And again, we're talking about two different things. Using psychedelics and plant medicines to heal and using them to, let's call it, um, expand your mind and uh, reach higher levels of consciousness, they're very related, but they're not the exact same thing. I have been mainly focused on using psychedelics and plant medicines to heal trauma and to to connect with myself better. Now, by default, I've had some consciousness raging and seen some crazy stuff and whatever. Uh, but like, that's not been my focus and a lot of people who start with psychedelics, I think start there. Mm-hmm. Like let's do five MAO, and, and talk See what to aliens happens. and shit. Yep. Right. And it's like, look, you can start there, but that's like learning to swim in the middle of the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Like I guess you could do it, but probably not what you'd recommend, man. Yeah. Like that's why I started with MDMA cause it's so safe. It's so gentle. It's so effective on, on trauma. And like, and it's like, it's a, it's like learning to swim in the kiddie pool, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, man, like if you want to, if you don't want to be stuck, if you're afraid of being stuck, it's very, very simple. It's very simple to understand. Um, The reason you're stuck is because you're holding on, trying to hold on to something that you can't hold on to. Right? So then this understand you got to let go. And the only thing you can do is ride the waves, not hold on to a thing that is unholdable. And the, the surfing is a great uh, um, metaphor. Like, imagine trying to like say, "All right, this awesome wave that I'm on, I'm just going to stay on this wave." And you would look at them like, "Are you retarded? Like, it's going to hit the beach. It's not possible. You can't ride a wave forever mm-hmm. because waves aren't forever." Mm-hmm. but yeah, and life is the same way it really is the exact same way so whatever phase you're in now i'm not saying don't bail on the wave until you have to if you got a good wave and you're on it ride it ride it for as long as you can but when it's over let it go same thing with whatever phase of life you're in
0: i get it man you're totally right i think what's interesting when we start to strip away persona right we're we're looking at who we are, hang on, I'm now attached to something that I was, but I no longer am. I need to update my software. I'm now about to be a dad. I'm becoming a dad. I want to get a girlfriend who could become my wife. All of these things. The frustrating thing that i found over the last four years is it's like a pass the parcel. Like you strip away some of the the wrapping paper and then underneath the wrapping paper, there's some more wrapping paper and you just keep on going and you're like, "Ah, fuck, I thought... Like you just keep on tearing it off. And you're like, no, this has got to be the last one. This has to be the like below this, it's got to be the last one. And then you just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. It's just all wrapping paper. I wonder if that's the game.
1: Yeah, realizing there's nothing there. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what not just the Buddhists, but almost any tradition will tell you. Like at the end of the day that, look, the, the, it's funny. The last 18 months, I've done so much reading into a lot of people I hadn't really paid a, a close attention to. Before people like Rumi, Jesus, uh, I knew a lot of Buddhism, but like really kind of diving in to different, uh, di- different angles. Um, and you know, what's funny is they all say the same thing. Like they really say the exact same thing. Uh, Buddha said, everything you, uh, 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 everything you need, everything you require you have in you. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within. Rumi said, uh, all the stars in the galaxy um all the stars in the sky uh are nothing compared to um the 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 journey inward or something like that they all said the exact all the great avatars said the exact same thing that everything you need you have inside it's just a matter of going inward doing that work you know that's it that's all it is man like mm-hmm. it it's i feel like in if it, if anyone's listening to this and think this dude's an idiot or a crazy person, I get it because two years ago I would have said the same thing. Listen to this, <laughs> I would have, man. But it's like, oh fuck! Once you get it, it makes total sense, and the, and so now it's like, it's funny too, man, because like we were pretty successful two years ago, but my like the success and the stuff I'm doing is just going up, 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 and it's like it's gone up an almost direct proportion to how much I've let go of not working. Right. Like I'm here, I'm doing a podcast. I do, I not working, but trying, holding on to, I've got to have this, or I've got to have that, or I'm trying to orchestrate that, or this is the thing I need to succeed and understanding that I have it. You know, it's all right here. And that whether I succeed or fail, is essentially both a story I tell myself and a feeling I have, and that I actually get to control that, and I get to decide that. It sounds so trite from the outside, man, but once you Hmm. get it, it just clicks.
0: How do you marry that very holistic view with failures and success in life with the fact that you need to get up and do the grind?
1: I don't think you have to grind. If you're grinding, you're doing it wrong. How so? Because by by definition, a grind is awful. It, okay. It, no, seriously. Like, uh, my, you know what my days are, man. I'll, I'll be honest, my Mondays sometimes are a little bit of a grind because I got a lot of calls, a lot of things like this, and some of them I like. Like this conversation is pretty cool. Not all of them. So, like, there's always I'm I not fully here, but my life now is eighty-ish, eighty 80% percent things that I love doing, things that energize me. Like, if you want a rubric. Um, manage your energy, right? The things that energize you, do those. The things that don't energize you, uh, either don't do, or if you have to do them, uh, pay someone to do them who's energized by them. Like the idea that I would have to like put numbers in a spreadsheet, like put a bullet in my brain. But the two accountants at my company love it. They just love, it's like their thing, right? So we hired people that, you know to do that and like we trade and it's great you know they don't like talking to people I'm real good at that (laughs) so yeah so so we but we both spend our days doing things that energize us right and I I think most people don't do that they load their brain with shoulds I should do that shoulds and haves have to do this should do that it's a fucking story in your head man I've yet to meet a person who's like really truly has a should or have story that can't be broken down and i know there's a million people probably listening. oh well mine's different You're not yeah any fucking different man i had all those things and i'm a better arguer than you
0: are <laughs> and I was yeah we get back to the brain being able to convince us of pretty much anything right um exactly. i recently had uh, kamal ravikant on and he was he's got this good lovely, he's a good guy man um had he's got the three steps of how he sees life. life happens to me life happens for me life happens through me right and it's that mm-hmm. it ties into a victim mentality it ties into leaning into discomfort, which is one of my favorite sayings where it talks about lean into discomfort as if you invited it through the door you know it's the, this this is something that's here it's here for growth it's and um it all it's all tied together I don't know how I don't know how it all fits together, but it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm on the cusp of really, I I feel like I've kind of got it, but not well enough to explain it to anybody, right? (laughs) But here's the thing with this, man, is I'll tell you the things that I I have, like I got it. Cool. You can't really truly explain. You can. You can use words, but the gap between understanding and words is big. And so like, um, it's sort of like, imagine, okay. So this is one you can get. No one would think that watching, you can learn about sex from watching porn. You get some information from it, right? But the gap between having sex and watching porn mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. And you really don't even know how big the gap is To you start having sex. You're like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. every and I mean everything. The experience of how good it is, how different it is, everything, right, mm-hmm. is different. And you can understand how they're related, but they're really totally different same thing is true about trying to talk about enlightenment right the words don't work you know and and like we use words because that's how we communicate words and symbols and pictures but what we you and i are talking about right now is experiential you must walk the path buddha this is the best buddhist quote it is not enough to read the words of buddha you must walk his path right you have got to do this work to understand it. And you can use other people's experiences and examples and words as guides. That's really helpful. But it is no substitute, which is this is the problem with Christianity, is that uh, basically from the Catholic Church onward, the church has tried to replace Jesus's experience. Uh, they try to take his experience and make people substitute a, a, an acted out version of his experience for their experience, Right. That's the problem with Christianity is that it's not, you don't experience the the, the, the the feeling you act out Jesus's. You know, that's communion, right? All that sort of shit. Whereas the Buddhists will tell you, no, no, no. You've got to actually do the work. Same with Islam. You don't actually experience it. It's Muhammad's words, right? I think that's bullshit. I think uh, that was the really the big thing that psychedelics showed me and the, the path is like, oh, I have to experience this. Like that's the irony is I was totally atheist before and now I'm way more, not formal religious, but like way more like, oh, I totally get Jesus now, 100%. Yeah.
0: Accepting his like sort of tot- spirituality.
1: No, because like now I've felt it. I've experienced it. Like I got none of that <laughs> through, through any sort of formal religion. But now I understand what's called an ecstatic experience. Now I totally get it. I know what he's, I know what he meant when he said the kingdom of heaven is within. There was no words you could have explained to me Then I did, you know, like a massive uh, uh, dose of mushrooms in a therapeutic setting. and I'm like, oh, shit, this is what he means. Now it makes (laughs) sense. I totally get what it means. The kingdom of heaven is within. Yes, it is within. He's right.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you say that your experiences with psychedelics have caused you to become slightly more spiritual and religiously minded, or at least religiously accepting. One of the co-hosts of the show, Yusuf, was Muslim uh, until around about 22, 23, and then a psychedelic trip caused him to recant religion overnight. Um, which
1: formal, formal religion, of course, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, totally yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Because um, all mean, it is, think of it, it's just someone standing between you and an and and experience and telling you, you have to rely on me to tell you what the experience is. Fuck you, I can go do it myself.
0: The interpreter that's trying to make it. I really appreciate what you what you said as well about the, um, how words can't really describe the sensation, especially for me, someone who prides himself on being precise with his speech. I try and be, I try and articulate, right? I try and be lucid. I try and do these things, but they're just proxies for the notion that we have. They're just a real, they this thing. The proxies that's
1: the- for experiences.
0: I I'm, like, I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to get it out and the words even words themselves read 1984 right read 1984 and that tells you all that you need to know about how language is related to the thoughts that we have in our brains if you remove I if you it. don't if you don't have the words the thoughts essentially don't they never get communicated they don't exist they don't exist outside of ephemeral nebulous cloudy little notions in our heads They're experiences is what they are mm-hmm. but they're only that, ever yours can't communicate yeah. no um, i get it you you mentioned um about the two paths to do with psychedelic therapy um mm-hmm. one one being consciousness raising one being more therapeutic um what is it that is making that determination is it uh intention going in is it set and setting is it dosage is it a combination
1: it's a lot of those things man um it really is it but so when i say therapeutic i mean like yeah like basically Figuring out what your uh, trauma is, and then um, or your stuck emotions, call it because all really trauma is is unfelt emotion, uh, unfelt feelings, and so uh, it's essentially making it easier for you to feel that so that you can then let it go, right? And and psychedelics make that with the right guidance and the right intention, the right set and setting, the right psychedelics. Not all are good at that, uh, but but um, the ones that are good at that are. Fucking magical dude mm-hmm. like mdma is amazing at it lower dose mushrooms tend to be pretty good at it lsd can be in certain areas um there's others like i mean i'm not the expert on that side i know it pretty well but i'm not the dude you would call to be the expert mm-hmm. um but like uh, um i if you do the mind expansion and consciousness expansion stuff without the trauma work beforehand mm. it's doable but you're, it's sort of like um, getting a really nice car and taking it for a fast drive with the windshield, like dirty, you know, like it, it makes it a lot harder. It can be, it can first off, it, that's how you can get really dark stuff. Like that's what a quote bad trip is, is you take a bunch of LSD and it's, the LSD didn't do anything to you. It brought up a lot of stuff you have in you and you aren't ready or willing to deal with it. That's what a bad trip is there's a few exceptions that are very rare or whatever with, but but for most people that's what a a bad trip is. And so like, um, that's why for most people, um, it's, you want to do your work first. It's like, it's sort of like, you know, um, the way I think about it just for shorthand is like, uh, I got to clean my house before I try and go talk to God. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, I'm not going to go talk to God with a dirty house. And so I got to get my house, at least in order. It doesn't have to be perfect, but I got to get everything put away. I got to get all, all all cleaned. Once my house is in order, then I can go take my meeting. You know,
0: Mm -hmm. it seems like to me, MDMA is, it's been a number of clinical trials now for it being used for PTSD therapy, being used for a lot of different, a lot of different things. Um, for me, my experience, I've never taken MDMA in my life without being drunk in a club. That's it. Like do you know what I mean? It's not a therapeutic drug to me. It doesn't even speak of psychedelic in, in it's nature. It's not
1: a psychedelic. It's not yeah. a psychedelic. It's not even in that class. It's a totally different molecular compound. Yep. Um it's not at all. But mm-hmm. dude, when you take it in a I know a lot of people who used to do like a gram of MDMA a weekend or crazy stuff like that, right? Like a <laughs> lot. <laughs> and then they they uh, you know, they they went through that phase and now they're they're out And they do it therapeutically. And it's like, they're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like it's totally, totally different experience.
0: That's fascinating. That is really, really fascinating. I really hope that it gets rolled out more. I think it's got a lot of... um... It'll be
1: legal in in probably... In America, it's actually, there's a few places where you can do it. Compassionate care licenses. Those clinics are being opened this year. It'll be widely legal in 2021 and 2022, probably. It's already in state three clinical trials. For for therapeutic
0: use. Guided QDQs, right? da, 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 with da, da, a prescription
1: da, da, da. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. got you. Okay. Um, you mentioned so one of the um, flags in the ground of your life of the transition from old uh, Tucker to new Tucker was um, when you said that you were kind of giving up Fratire, which was this particular type of uh, writing that you'd done. Um, and since then, am I right in thinking the only thing that you've brought out is this scribe method? Is that right?
1: Uh, no, I, I wrote a book with Jeff Miller called um, "What Women Want," which yes. is like the instructional yes. guide for guys about yep. how, to women, how, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. women, how to deal with women, how to understand women, how to deal with women. I talk to them, how to become attractive to them, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the best book on that subject by far in the marketplace. We did a pretty poor job positioning it and and marketing it. That book is like the the best example ever that product doesn't beat marketing all the time
2: right like there's Uh,
1: all these idiots that have all this dumb shit stuff out there that they market the hell out of and like um we didn't want to approach it that way and like so we ended up like we wrote the best book it's by far the best info like the dudes who read it and a a lot do that we get i get an email every week from a guy i was like oh my god i saw all this money all these (laughs) coaches and it was all it has changed my life or whatever the problem with the book man is that we don't play the, it's not your fault game. We don't blame women for problem. We don't play up to the most toxic emotions in dudes. And so like, it, it's very, it's it's a lot harder to sell personal responsibility and accountability. And it's a lot mm. harder to sell hard, like real hard work. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to sell facing your problems and things like that, which is what we we do in there. But what's funny is like, I told dudes, I'm like, listen, you want to have the life I have? Go go do this book. That's it, man. You want to be married to an incredible, amazing woman who's hot, have a bunch of kids with her, have a a, all bunch of money. uh, You know, whatever, whatever, however. I'm not the details of my life don't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Because like some people don't give a shit about wine. Whatever success looks like by the metrics you've made looks like to you. Yep, it's here. You just have to do the work. It's not complicated. It's just difficult.
0: Isn't it fascinating that you wrote a book that was positioned too virtuously for it to capitalize on its, it own, on its own success? Yeah, that's really interesting. So the guys, there's yeah. a, a video going around Twitter today from, you know, the guys from 21 Convention? Do you know what that is? Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the dude behind that, um, I forget his name, which kind of says it all. Uh, the dude behind the 21 Convention thing was on a British talk show this morning with Piers Morgan. You'll know who yeah. Piers Morgan is. Piers yeah. kind of doesn't really pull his punches. And yeah. him and him and this female co-host just tear this guy's ass all out. That like, absolutely annihilate him about all of the. Day. He's wearing a "Make Women Great Again" hat, and he's just everything that's wrong with like the whole sort of manosphere. It's
1: almost too easy of a target, man. It's like, fuck. of course, you could make fun of this idiot. Yeah, he's
0: like yeah, the he's like on. the Colby Covington uh, UFC yeah, yeah. fighter of <laughs> right. like, and I'm like, fuck, man, like this isn't WWE. You're supposed to be putting yourself across as a legitimate man development, male development place.
1: I F- mean, if you're going to play the heel, the bad guy, at least do a good job. Like Conor McGregor does a good job of that, right? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um uh, Like th- there's a there's a way to do that when you can do a good job. They're just, it's they're too dumb or too emotionally undeveloped to actually do it well, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it's re- like...
0: I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get Rolo Tomassi on. I really, really want to have a discussion with Rolo. I want to find out. What, I've got. Who's I don't know who that is. Who's, guy that wrote the Rational Male. So he's widely uh, sort of earmarked as the person who began the Red Pill movement for men. Um, it seems like he's genesis for that, or at least that's why it's that's what it's called online. And um, I got a few. I got a few questions for that, which which today's helped to inform in, me in about. In my
1: experience, man, in my experience, those dudes are extro- all of them. Are extraordinarily broken, and they just blame their shit on everyone else. And That's like it- even the ones, you no, know, the, there's ones that make really good arguments about a lot of things, right? And mm-hmm. so it's not like because they're broken, all their arguments are wrong. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like you can, like you can, all so many good points about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's not like the other side. It's not like the fucking social justice warriors are any better. Mm-hmm. They're just as awful. They're just as broken. They're just as uh. Uh, victim mindset or worse but like those dudes like it's like they they get their little like any of them they get their little echo chamber and it's like oh it's not your fault it's not your fault either okay we'll be broken and lonely together and it's like all right dude then go have your shitty life it's fine with me
0: look at the way that what what we spoke about twice two different situations that have come up in this conversation the first one is um, how you find that nuance and that understanding in yourself, right? Doing the work on yourself, your truthfulness and, and stuff like that. And that not actually being quite as polarizing and some people not really even responding to that as much. You know, you were the party guy, you were the this guy, you were the that guy. And then the second thing being the book, the book which delivered a, a more nuanced, more uh, a, a deeper, more truthful, more transparent, more difficult to swallow pill. Yeah. But both of those things kind of, jar jar with people sometimes but the easy to easy to sort of swallow single line single tweet length synopsis is more effective um man i wish it wasn't the case look (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna talk about the scribe method and and everything else but um you guys launched david goggin's book if there's people that are listening who want to learn how to write a book 500 pages is that the scribe methods pdf yeah
1: just, just honestly so we have like look if you want some you want to pay someone to do it all for you we're the company uh, but most of your, uh, people i'm sure can't just go to scribebookschool.com everything that we do with our clients who pay us five and six figures to to work with them we explain all of it and lay it all out in detail so if you don't if you don't have money but you have time just it's all there for free go do it yourself no problem
0: and you said this beautiful quote, which I've heard from you, which says everybody has wisdom inside of them. They just need to get it down onto a page, something along those lines.
1: They have to get it out. You can use video too. There's nothing wrong. Video's great, man. We're about to launch a big YouTube channel. Like, but you need, we just do books. Books are a big way, a really specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not the only way.
0: And you've got a specialist. You're a specialist in that, right? That's your, mm-hmm. your background. Yep. Yep. Awesome, man. Took a, uh, if people want to hassle you online, where should they go? twitter linkedin facebook i'm like i'm not hard to find glorious thanks man